Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or, I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they asked and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. All right, welcome back to Dr. Dictionary. I'm Jake Bloom, and I'm joined again, as always, by my co-host, Josh Fletcher. This is the third part of our depression trilogy. In our first episode, we discussed the general basics on depression. In the second episode, we talked specifically about the medications that we use for the treatment of depression. And now for our third part, we're going to talk about psychotherapy or cognitive behavioral therapy. So Josh, first of all, let's start with the basics. What does my doctor mean when they're saying psychotherapy or cognitive therapy? So psychotherapy is just a fancy word that means treatment done by talking or specifically a method of communication between a doctor and a patient as a treatment for psychiatric illness. It can involve education, relaxation and meditation, coping skills, environmental awareness, stress management, etc., and really has multiple facets to it. Now, one important thing to note that we touched upon earlier in a previous episode is not all psychotherapies are what you might see in movies, when the main character is lying down on the couch and the therapist is asking about his or her childhood. That's not really what we're doing with many of the psychotherapies. No, the movie example is sort of what I thought of initially, especially coming from a film background and everything. But Josh, it sounds like there are tons of different types of psychotherapy. So my doctor mentioned something about cognitive behavioral therapy specifically. So what's that? So you're right. There are multiple different types of psychotherapy. Some involve the family, some involve emotional regulation, some are about relationships between people, etc. But the one we're going to focus on today is cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. And this is a very well-studied and evidence-based type of talk therapy for depression and other conditions as well that's actually been around since the 1970s. So CBT focuses on the here and now, and it's a time-limited treatment. The main tenet of CBT involves examining the relationship between your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. So for example, with your thoughts, what thoughts do you have about yourself and others? Do these interfere with your life and functioning? Your behaviors, what actions do you do that are connected to your mood and your thoughts? Is this different in different environments and different situations? 
and your feelings or your emotions at the time. And CBT works by targeting one aspect of this triangle between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And if we can break the cycle, we can affect the other two. And that's really the goal of CBT. If it's related to thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, which of these are we actually working on? Have you found that talking can actually make someone feel better? So through talking with your therapist, we really can accomplish the first goal of CBT, and that's fixing your thoughts. And there's really a great book called Mind Over Mood that delves into CBT. It's actually a workbook that I recommend for patients to use. And one example they use there is great. And this is an individual looking past you in a conversation. You might feel down because you feel that he's ignoring you, that you're boring, that you're shy, that you're nervous, and these aren't qualities that you necessarily like. And that might lead to you reacting in a certain way. You might become more distanced. You might no longer engage in the conversation. And you might start having all these negative behaviors that are associated with it. And when we have these thoughts, it can be very overwhelming and cause us to forget about our previous experiences that go against how we're feeling right now. All the positive examples we've had in life. And we really focus on those negative thoughts and bring up all the other negative feelings we have for ourselves. So by fixing that initial thought and working here, we can end that cycle and prevent that negative mood and those negative behaviors from happening in the first place. And that really shows you that thoughts are very powerful. So by talking and going through these things, we can really get to the bottom of this and prevent that cascade from happening in the first place. It's weird to think how easily we can go down this rabbit hole just based on one thought and how it connects to our mood. It sounds like there are many maladaptive or bad thought patterns we have that can lead to this. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to work on with CBT. These bad or maladaptive ways of thinking are called cognitive distortions. Cognitive being the mind and distortion representing a false impression. So ways that we're thinking or ways that we approach the world that have a negative impact on our life. And here's some examples of those. And think about when we're talking about this, are these ways that you think? Are these things that you've used in your life before? And I will say many of these cognitive distortions, I've been guilty of doing them in the past. Some examples, black and white thinking. It must be one or the other. There's no in between. When you disqualify the positive in your life. Emotional reasoning. So if I feel this way, it must be true. Magnification. For example, his tone of voice means that he must not like me. Magnifying something very small and blowing it up into this huge deal. Mind reading. I can just tell how they feel about me. No evidence behind it, but it's like you're reading their mind and you know what they're thinking. Jumping to conclusions. I didn't do that well in the test, and therefore I'll fail the final exam and I'll never get a job. Overgeneralizing. All my friendships are fake. So using that word all in front of many situations. And the last one is a big one. It's called confirmation bias. And this is when you selectively look for evidence or information that confirms how you're feeling. And the goal of CBT is really to help you become more aware of these cognitive distortions and when you might be using them in your life. Another aspect that CBT focuses on are the problematic rules of living, which is exactly what they sound like. So for example, self-sacrifice, the belief that you need to put your needs first, and if you do that, you're selfish. So if you ever think about yourself first, you must be a bad person. Another example is trust. If I trust people, then I will be let down or I will be hurt. Or for example, not being trusting of others. So if people find out things about me, they'll use it against me and not sharing anything to anybody else. 
And again, these are extremely common society. So you're not the only one who might be thinking this way. So like I was saying before, you might be at home listening and thinking that these patterns are too real for you and that they really apply to you. And like I said, you're not alone. And this is the target of CBT for a reason because it applies to so many other people. I can admit I've thought this way in the past and probably still do currently. So as I'm listening to you talk, Josh, this all sounds like a lot of work to fix. Is that true? So yes, there is a lot of work. And one thing about CBT is it really requires you to be motivated and want to participate. It involves goal setting and it's problem focused. It has agendas and structures for each session. And it has homework for you to do after each session that you can try in your own life. It can be extremely rewarding, but it really requires you to want to be involved. Um, you mentioned homework. I haven't done homework in forever. Even when I was in school, I wasn't doing homework. What is this homework like? Maybe I'll do this one. So it depends on the session and where you are in therapy. It can involve using the skills you learned in the session in real life. It can involve you utilizing something called a thought record, which is a tool used to help you become more aware of your thoughts. And it's very useful. So for example, with a thought record, the first step is identifying the mood and the automatic thoughts that are associated with a particular situation. Now those automatic thoughts are what pops into your head first. So what you would do is whenever you have this negative mood, you'd write down what thoughts come into your head first. I'm a failure or I'm worthless or whatever that thought might be. Once you have that thought, you're meant to take a step back and analyze the evidence for and against that thought. And you're really using logic and reason here. And this can help you identify an alternative thought about that same situation. So for example, earlier an individual looking past you in conversation, maybe somebody called his name, maybe he was curious, maybe he didn't know the time, all these alternative thoughts rather than you being worthless, you not being interesting, you being shy and nervous. Now once you've gone through this process, the last part of the thought record is identifying what your mood is now. And then once you're done that, you can kind of look and analyze these thoughts in the future. So every time you kind of have this negative mood, it helps you put a perspective around that negative mood. And this is one of the homework exercises that you might have to do and apply to your real life. And it's something that's extremely useful to use in many different situations to become more aware of these negative thoughts. Josh, when is the best time to do this type of homework and to do these exercises? So if you can identify those thoughts while they're happening, it's an extremely useful tool to use right in the moment. To write down at that time, what is that thought that you're having? and take that step back and analyze it. Sometimes it's not practical to do that, but when it is, it's really useful to catch yourself there and change your mood at that time. Because if you don't, you can now imagine you have that negative mood persisting throughout the day, throughout the couple hours following that interaction until you do this exercise. So you, if you have the chance, doing it right away can be really useful, and it's something that we recommend doing as many times as possible throughout the day. What is the time commitment like for these therapies? And are they done individually or in a group setting? So they can be held both in a group and individual, just depending on the availability in your region. And they're often time limited, lasting about 12 to 20 weeks, depending on the person doing the CBT and how much work needs to be done. How long would it take for me to start feeling better? So psychotherapy or these talk therapies that we've been talking about is really based on teaching you skills to apply to your everyday life. And there is no hard, fast rule for psychotherapy about how long it will take you to feel better. It can take different amounts of time for different people. 
depends how much you're putting into it, how willing you are to do the homework. Are you doing these thought records, like for example, in the moment many different times a day? If you do the homework, if you're using the skills, if you're motivated, you will improve over the session length. And often that's what we say. You typically get better over the length of the sessions, so over that 12 to 20 week period. But you will find that you immediately start feeling better if you start using these tools right at the get-go. All right, Josh, are psychotherapies alone a good way to treat depression? Or is it better used in conjunction with the medications we discussed in the previous episode? So psychotherapy is extremely useful in the treatment of depression. And the benefits of psychotherapy alone are comparable to those benefits you get from using medications alone. However, some studies have even shown that there may be longer lasting benefits for psychotherapy than medications, because you can continue to use these skills that you learn in your psychotherapy groups or your CBT groups in one year's time, two years time, three years time, etc., to help with any residual symptoms you might be having. That being said, the combination effect of using psychotherapy and medications together is even more beneficial for your symptoms than using one or the other on their own. They have what we call a synergistic effect, where they work really well together to improve your symptoms. That's pretty interesting. Can it be used for conditions other than depression? Yes, CBT is used for many different psychiatric conditions. It has evidence in anxiety, PTSD and trauma, eating disorders, ADHD, etc. Now, there are different workbooks and different tools, different homework exercises that you might use for these different conditions, but the general tenet of CBT is the same. How would I get access to psychotherapy? So that's a great question and often is the limiting factor with psychotherapy. So you can go through the public system or the private system. First, to note about the private system. Your doctor can recommend some local therapists in your area who are trained in psychotherapy or CBT in particular but it can become expensive with sessions costing the range of $100 to $200 a session. Now, depending on who does the psychotherapy, it might be a little bit cheaper, but you do have to pay out of pocket. You can get publicly funded CBT as well, but this often has a referral-based system and can have a longer wait time. Now, I was talking about this a little bit before, but there are many different healthcare professionals that can do psychotherapy. It can be a psychiatrist trained through medical school, a psychologist who has their PhD, family doctor who specializes in psychotherapy, social workers or nurse practitioners with special training in CBT, etc. So it doesn't have to be a doctor who does the CBT session. Now, there are other ways to do CBT that might be cheaper. For example, doing it in a group setting rather than one-on-one can be cheaper, and it might actually be useful to interact with people who have gone through the same experiences that you have. There are other resources in Ontario specifically. Bounce Back Ontario is a great website for online CBT. There's a website called Beacon Online, which does CBT as well. And there's actually an Australian-based service, an Australian website called the Centre for Clinical Interventions, their depression website, which has many different CBT workbooks, tools that you can use, and general information about CBT. And like I mentioned earlier, A lot of the information that I got about CBT in the workbook that I specifically used is called Mind Over Mood, and that can be purchased at any bookstore or Amazon or anything along that line. Lastly, what I will mention is that there are also YouTube videos about CBT that you can watch for free that can teach you about some of these skills, go over what a thought record is, etc. 
And these can also be very useful for general education about it. And we'll include some of these links in the description for the episode. Last question. If I don't like my therapist I'm working with, can I switch? So yes, there's no set in stone contract saying you must stick with one person. However, it's important to note with any therapist or any physician, they have your best interest in mind. And they're specifically trained in psychotherapy and they're here to help. So it's probably best to speak with them about whatever issues you might be having, see if they're able to help before switching. But yes, you are able to switch. If you're in the public system, though, you might need to go back into that wait list to switch. And if you're in the private system, there's no problem switching to another therapist, just depending on what the cost is. Thank you so much for talking about psychotherapy with me today. I actually am feeling a lot better just talking this out with you. And thank you, Jake, for asking all these great questions. And as always, if you guys have any more questions, feel free to email us at the doctordictionary at gmail.com or leave a comment below. And subscribe to this feed and hopefully you'll be seeing some new episodes from Dr. Dictionary. Are we ready to reveal what the next series is going to be? Or is it a big surprise? It'll be a big surprise when the episode comes out. I'd like to thank Dr. Stephen Gelber, a psychiatrist at Northrop General Hospital, for peer reviewing this episode and Nick and John Bragagnolo for recording the original music. Well, for Dr. Dictionary, I'm Jake Bloom. And I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>